Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Hello and welcome to the Dementia Care Partners podcast series brought to you by Positive Approach to Care. I'm your host, Greg Phelps, along with Tipa Snow. And Tipa, um, feelings of guilt. That was one of the questions that was submitted to Positive Approach to Care. And I guess, I, and I've experienced what it's like to feel dealing with some person living with dementia, in my case, my mother, the guilt of not being able to help, not being able to fix, because men are fixers. My dad went through the guilt. Yeah. The whole family, you know. So is this common? Oh, <laughs> if you don't feel guilty every now and then, you probably aren't involved in dementia because that sense of feeling guilty and and sometimes it's I'm being accused of something. And so there's this guilty by association. There's this guilty where someone says you're guilty and you don't feel that way. There's this sense of if I had, what if I had, um, maybe that was the bad decision. What if I'd done this? The what ifs and, you know, I shoulda, woulda, coulda. I mean, you know, I didn't do, you know, when she said that I should have understood what she really, I mean, there are so many possibilities in the world of dementia for miscommunication for misunderstandings, for um, making what we call mistakes, because you did your, you did what you thought made sense, but now that you look back, you're going, oh, well, if I had known then what I know now, and it's like, well, yeah, but that doesn't not how, how you know what you know now is from then. Um, there's the idea that um, there are times when, you know, you do something, and when you listen to what even comes out of your mouth, your brain goes, why did I say that? I know better than that. Because there is a huge difference between knowing and being able to control the doing. <laughs> and we keep forgetting that thinking is in the front of the brain and doing is involved with the middle of the cortex and deep in the reflex section. And you can want to do better, but sure enough, you have new synapses are hard to form. So is it helpful for care partners to know a little bit about what's actually happening structurally in the brain? Or are we just adding another component in there that maybe people don't really need to know? Yeah, no, I actually think it's critical to understand why we feel this sense of, oh, no. Because what happens is when your brain does something and then you notice and it's a, oh, no. I mean, and it is an, oh, no. Oh, God, why did I say that? Because you catch yourself after the fact, but it's only after the fact you can notice. You can't notice when it's happening because when you're doing it, you're using the doing part of your brain. It's only after you've done and there's been a outcome, a consequence, something happens that your brain goes, oh, well, and we're problem solvers. You've said you're a fixer, but in fact, you're problem solver. You like to try to figure things out. Humans are built that way. So once I'm out of the crisis, out of the interaction, out of the moment when my brain did not do what I wanted it to do, and it instead did an old habit, a structured and familiar thing, a reflexive thing, a pattern of speech or movement that comes without my brain being in charge of it. In other words, it's part of the primitive system or maybe my attention-seeking system, which is the reticular activating system, then my brain goes, 
ah, Peepa. And then it's like, yeah, you know better. And then you hear your mother's voice even, you know better than that, what are you doing? And it's like, well, yeah, I do know better, but the only way I'm gonna do better is to build new synapses out of crisis. So if I wanna stop this thing that I'm doing that's giving me a sense of feeling guilty, what I've gotta do is rehearse the different behavior until the synapses for that behavior become the go-to rather than the one that I'm used to. So I have to really work on going, Greg, versus, oh, Greg, no, 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 no. That automatic reflexive pattern of feeling threatened, what you're doing is scary, it's scaring me, and so I feel it's dangerous, when in fact, it's annoying or it might be risky, but it's actually not dangerous. I just saw something and anticipate something horrible is going to happen. It hasn't. And when I do that, of course, then you, oh, geez, and you fall back. And sure enough, you land on your back end. And then I feel guilty. And it's like, well, instead, how about we learn from this? Uh-oh, because that was, that was an uh-oh. So when Greg starts to stand up, then maybe I say, oh, Greg, you're getting up because that will stop you just as sure as without the startle reflex. Other forms of guilt in, in caring for a person living with dementia, I finally can't do it anymore. Yeah. Mom's got to go to the home. Boy, that's an emotional struggle. And that's then you hard feel one. so guilty. Yeah, because what you have to admit is what I thought I could do, I can't do. What I promised, I can't follow through on. Because again, thinking and doing are two different things. And so what happens usually by the time people finally get to the place of, I just can't do this anymore. They've been doing past what they could do for a while. And by the time they get there, they have an empty tank. I mean, there's nothing left in the tank at all. And so trying to refill it, it's just nothing there. So the guilt sets in because, I mean, I'm less, I'm little, and we've got ourselves in such a depleted state. Chemically, we're a mess. So it's hard to find the chemicals to make things okay. And saying, you know what, mom, I love you so much. I'm going to do something different, even though it hurts both of us. Because I can't, I can't figure out what to do the way we're doing it anymore. It's not working. So I hate it. I hate it for you and I hate it for me. I can hate it for you and hate it for me. And I need to stop feeling guilty about it because I just hate it. I mean, I hate what's happening, but I don't need to hate myself. It's not going to help. I shouldn't hate my mom. She has dementia. So I hate what's happening, but I have to let go of the guilt because it's going to it's going to make it really hard for me to move to the next step of how let's let's make this as reasonable as we can and let's both be sad about yeah. what we could do. Is there any sort of a measure that a person can use for themselves? Like how mm -hmm. far can you let things go? Mm -hmm. can, can you seek help and, and get some guidance on this? I mean, because it's a lonely decision. Oh, it is a hard decision. And, you know, I'm, I have a real sort of simple things. If by the time someone is asking me, how do you know when it's time? My, and it's not a flip answer. It's really a meaningful answer is usually about three months ago. Because by the time you can make yourself what? Say the words, you've already run out of gas and you've been running on fumes for three months. Um, because it's such a hard thing to get your mouth to say because you keep trying to think ways around it, but you're just wiped out. There's just, it's not working and you can't see any other ways because you can't form new synapses when there's nothing to work with. And you have to have chemicals to form synapses. 
So getting assistance and saying, you know, asking this question way in advance, how do you know when it's time to sort of look for alternatives? Well, my rule is when they seem to be not liking me, when I'm not liking them, or when we're not liking what's happening, it's time to start looking before when we're just not liking it. Because when I don't want it anymore, I don't want to be with you. I don't want this to go on. I can't. I don't need this anymore. I, I can't do this anymore is pretty extreme. And that means I don't have anything left to negotiate with or work with. It's a transition. Tifa, most communities have um, some sort of a support system where you can phone somebody and, and talk to somebody, uh, whether it's the Alzheimer's Society or, or local groups. But if somebody just needs to have that connection, can they talk to a consultant at a positive approach? I would encourage them to talk to a consultant at Positive Approach because, I mean, we're, you know, we truly are here to support you, whoever you are. And it could be, a, I mean, we have had people living with dementia who are trying to figure out, should I tell my family that I need to do something different? Should I, I don't want to live with them. <laughs> now, imagine, you know, imagine somebody living with dementia say, I don't want to live with myself. I know that's what he wants, but I just don't want that. I mean, I don't know what else to do though. I'm stuck. And, and so that sense it's, you know, we tend to think of it as it's just about care partners. It's like, it's not, it's about any single person feeling like, Ooh, I know they need help, but I don't know that this facility is a good match for them right now. You know, Louis body is a tough dementia. I'm just not sure it's going to be a good match. Tipa, if people want more information, again, you have consultants available, you have videos online, you've got tons of information. We do. And the, it all starts with either a phone call, an email, or a text. I mean, we'll be happy to work with you, figure it out, refer you on. But the first thing is we got to make a connection, because without a connection, nothing happens. Tipa, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. No guilt. You've been listening to the Dementia Care Partners podcast series brought to you by Positive Approach to Care. For more information about dementia care or training, check out the website at tifasnow.com.